Wow, what a wonderful morning already, and what a beautiful day. The sun is shining. I feel like spring is finally here, and it makes me so happy. But yeah, it was such a privilege to praise with you all this morning. Thank you, Andy, for serving us so well. Just lifting up the name of Jesus together is such a joy. So, as Luke said, we are doing a teaching series at the moment on the church and how the church is God's plan for salvation for the whole world through Jesus. And so we'll be looking today at the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 5, so you can turn to that. But before I start, and I'm going to dig into one specific verse, and before I do, I just want to give it some context, because when we're digging into a specific verse, we need to understand the background to be able to really understand this specific verse that we're looking at. So Jesus, when he speaks, he speaks to different people in different ways, and sometimes he speaks quite confrontationally, maybe to the, um, the Pharisees, he will speak quite confrontationally, he's challenging them. Sometimes he'll speak gently and loving to people. And in this context, he is speaking to his disciples and he's challenging them very directly. Now there's crowds gathering and he's seen the crowds gathering and he's taken his disciples to one side on a mountainside and he's speaking directly to them. And he teaches on the Beatitudes. Some of you will have heard the Beatitudes. Um, famous, famous sayings of Jesus. Um, Blessed are those who who grieve, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Some of you will have heard these sayings. And then at the end, he goes on um, of this section and he says, Rejoice and be glad when people persecute you and say all sorts of evil things against you because of me. You can imagine the disciples thinking, what? Blessed are we when people say horrible things about us because we follow you. And it's at this point that he drops this golden nugget of a scripture that we're going to look at today. So it's verse 13 in chapter 5 of Matthew. And he says, You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Wow. Powerful. Punchy words. He doesn't hold back. (laughs) Um, So he's speaking to his disciples. This is James and John and Peter. These are fishermen, everyday people like you and me. And he's saying to them, you are the salt of the earth. These are the people that were going to go and spread his message throughout the whole world. These are the people that were going to be persecuted and most of them killed for what they said about Jesus. And Jesus is preparing them for what lay ahead. And I want you to imagine yourself on that mountainside with him. And he's teaching you because I know he wants to speak to us today through this passage. And he wants to prepare us for what's ahead. So I'm just going to pray. Thank you, Jesus, for this word that you've given us. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for every precious soul that is here today. I thank you that your spirit is with us here. And I welcome you, Holy Spirit, to really reveal this truth to us. To show us who you are and who we are in you. We want, to, we want to know you more. We're hungry for your truth, Lord. Please reveal this to us by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I'm going to look at three different... I'm going to pull out three different parts from this passage. Um, the first one being, what does being salty look like? What does being salty Christians look like? Um, and then how do we get more salty? And can you lose your saltiness? 
So, let's just look at some of the properties of salt before we begin. Now, the word salary actually translates directly as salt money. And in Roman times, people would be paid in salt rather than money, because it was just as valuable. So salt is something that's really valuable, and in this time, it was incredibly valuable. And people would get their wages, they'd go home with a pile of salt. <laughs> I'm glad we don't do that these days. <laughs> um, and so that's where the phrase comes from, that, that guy's not worth his salt, or that girl's not worth her salt. They're not bringing their value to the table. Have you heard that phrase before? Um, and in Palestine, at the, in this context, in these days, all the salt was taken from the Dead Sea. And most of you will know the Dead Sea is one of the lowest places on Earth. It's 300 meters below sea level. And it's really super, super salty. Um, it's so salty. And, and what they would do is sometimes when the, the tide would draw back, it's very flat land, it would leave pools of water and the sun would beat down on the pools of water. This still happens today. And the water evaporates. Anyone who's done a GCSE science knows this. And it leaves the salt. So there's piles of salt, and then people come along and collect the salt, and this salt was pure. And also in the rocks where the sea was washing up against the rocks and the cliffs, the, sea, the salt would gather there, and people would come and mine for it. And what happens is sometimes when it's exposed to the elements, like the wind and the rain, this salt can get mixed up with other minerals, with sand, with dirt, and it can get so mixed up it loses its saltiness. So we can understand more about what, what this passage is saying but if salt loses its saltiness, and that, can, that could have happened, and it still happens when, when the dirt and, and the minerals get mixed up, and it literally is useless. You can't, it's impossible to sift salt out. So it becomes useless. You can no longer use it as a wage, as a salary. It's no longer valuable. So literally they would throw it out. It would be worthless to them. And the only good thing they could do with it was to put it on the path, on the edge of the path, to stop their feet getting muddy. So it literally would be trampled on. Now... I went to the Dead Sea about six weeks ago. I have a job where I, get, I go to the Middle East and take groups of people that want to cycle across the desert. Crazy people. <laughs> and um, I was out there six weeks ago, and we always go to Jericho, and we always have a quick dip in the Dead Sea. And um, it's fun. It's one of my favorite things to do. And um, <laughs> the, the Dead Sea, as you know, is so thick with salt. Here we go. Oh, here we go. So... This particular visit, we did something very different. We stayed with a Bedouin encampment the night before, and we had this great idea that if we got up at 2 o'clock in the morning and trekked for three hours across this, we could get to the cliff edges and see the sunrise across the Dead Sea, and it was going to be amazing. Didn't quite work out as planned. Basically, it was a horrendous thunderstorm all night, starting from about midnight. I went to bed about 11, I think, and then the thunder started at midnight. And then at two o'clock, I woke up and I thought, I can't take these people for three hours in this thunder and lightning and rain. So instead, at 4 a.m., the Bedouin patriarch gets up with his seven sons, brings out seven Land Rover trucks and drives us across this crazy desert, which was hilariously fun and terrifying. And we get to the edge of the cliff and we see this. Is that not incredible? This is the Dead Sea from very high up. And you can see the patterns of the salt. Can you see the salt? The patterns and the layers of salt. Beautiful. Um, salt brings a lot of beauty. <laughs> and it's so thick that fish and plants can't survive, which is why it's called the Dead Sea. 
everything's dead, right? And if a fish swims from the Jordan River into the Dead Sea, swimmy, swim, swim, gets to the Dead Sea, dead fish. Okay. Dead Sea. <laughs> but it's so salty that it, it, it's weighty, so it's thicker than other seawater, it's dense. So if you sit in it, if you get in it, you actually float and you bounce and you sit and it's so much fun. I actually have evidence of this. Here we go. Can you spot me? <laughs> here we go. It's completely by the way, Steph, who's listening online, and everyone else listening online, there's no indecency here. Everyone's covered up. But um, there I am over there, and I've got mud on my face. So on the bottom of the surface of the sea is just pure mud. It's the best face mask you ever have in your life. So I'm lapping it up there. Um, but look, you can't, like, we've got our hands and our feet in the air, and you just completely float. It's really funny. And you actually flip over. You can see the girl over here. She's flipped over. It's a bit dangerous, because if you get it in your eye, it's really painful. I've done that before as well. But my point is, salt is really weighty, and when it comes into something, it changes the chemistry. So the salt, the sea has been changed. The chemistry of this sea has been changed because it's been added, added salt to it. And salt has amazing properties. Not only does it change the chemistry around it, but it preserves things. Sometimes salt's put onto meat to preserve it. Before we had um, chemicals and <laughs> things like that to preserve our food, we used salt. And people still do use salt to, to stop it decaying, to slow down the decaying. Salt also heals put salt in our wounds, we wash our wounds with salt water, and it purifies. I use salt water to wash my contact lenses. You know, it's a purifier. But the best thing about salt, and the thing we want to remember today, is that it tastes good. And it brings out the taste and the flavor in the things that it's added to. If you've ever had roast potatoes with rosemary and salt, it is the biz, and the salt brings out the rosemary flavor so it's gorgeous and also what's the other one the most famous one caramel salt chocolate salted caramel chocolate the salt brings out the caramel flavor and it's something amazing happens when you add salt to things it changes everything around it and it brings out the taste now going back to the passage jesus says to his disciple you are the salt of the earth for those of you that are followers of jesus here today, you are the salt of the earth. Not you will be when you're a bit better, a bit more holy. You are the salt of the earth right now, today. You don't have to strive for it. You don't have to earn it. If you have chosen to follow Jesus and given him your life, you are a new creation in him. He has given you a new identity and his Holy Spirit lives inside of you and you are the salt of the earth. And it impacts people around you. Have you ever walked in a room and you just feel there's something spiritual going on? There's something that you bring the presence of God with you wherever you go, and it changes things. I've definitely felt that. Sometimes you walk into a room, you're like, ah, there's something going on here, and I can't quite place it. It's because there's something going on in the spiritual realm, and we're bringing the presence of God with us. In 2 Corinthians 2, 14 to 16, it says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession and through us spreads the fragrance of the knowledge of him everywhere. For we are the aroma of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To one a fragrance from death to death, to the other a fragrance from life to life. So Jesus is appealing. We're going to look at this passage in a few weeks. But just to say, Jesus is appealing not just to your mind today. He's not just trying to give you something for your mind to think about. He's appealing to your senses, your sense of taste and also your sense of smell. They are the aroma of Christ. When you follow Jesus and become his disciple, you, are, you taste good and you smell good. 
<laughs> and um, you're transformed. When you become a Christian, you're not, it's not just a label that you get. It's not just an organization that you join. You're transformed from the inside out, and you taste and you smell different. And even if people can't place it, they'll tell. They'll know there's something, there's something funny about you that they can't quite tell what it is. But I believe, and we believe, that his spiritual realm is is here right now, that there is a spiritual dimension going on that we can't see. There's probably angels in this room right now that we can't see. But God is here by his spirit, even if we don't physically, with our eyes, see him. And he's moving amongst us. And if you live in obedience to the Father, and you share his message, it has an impact. And it affects the people around you. And people either love you and and be drawn to you, or they'll hate it and and they'll be um, repelled by you. And we spend our lives trying to fit in, so it's not nice, is it, when people are repelled by us because we believe in Jesus. We always want to fit in. But, my beloved, we are born to stand out. We've been born again to stand out. And it's not politically correct. But Jesus says, Blessed are you when you are persecuted. Rejoice and be glad. We have been born again of another kingdom. God says, Taste and see I am good. And I think other people can taste us and see that God's goodness in us. And we want them to, right? We want them to taste the Jesus in us and, and know that he is good. In Luke 17, verse 20, it says, The kingdom of God is not coming in ways that can be observed, nor will they say, Look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. The kingdom of God is here right now, today. And we've already seen it in our worship time, him just revealing himself to us. Revealing that our shame has been taken away from us through that beautiful song. So what does it look like to be a salty Christian? Let's have a look. So if we look at all the properties that, that I mentioned earlier, salt brought weight to the sea. I could sit in it because it was so weighty. And there's something about, as you're a Christian, as you spend time in the presence of God, there's a weightiness to you. And Moses, when he came down the mountain in Exodus 34, he had spent this time with with God and he was so impacted and changed by it that his face shone and he had to cover it up. And he didn't even realize his face was shining. There's something that happens when we spend time in the presence of God. It gives us a weightiness. And I can't explain it. It's mysterious. But I know that when we spend time with God, it has an impact to the people around us. Um... It changes the chemistry, like this, the Dead Sea is different from other seas because it's so thick with salt. It's changed its chemistry, and we can change the chemistry of the places around us. You know, there's the other passage that says, let your conversations be seasons with salt. We can change conversations just by bringing light and truth into conversations. I've had, <laughs> I've had experience of this weightiness and being able to change the chemistry around me. Even this week, I went to... Um, I work with this actor, and, I, and they were playing. They were doing this play at the Barbican, and so I went to watch the play. And she said, "Come see me afterwards." So I went to see afterwards, and I took one of my colleagues with me. And I got backstage, and there was this. There was all these other people that had come to see her, and um, they were like, <laughs> like groupies. And then I realised I'm a groupie. <laughs> I'm totally a groupie too. I'm with them. Um, but as I'm sitting there, there's this one. There's one lady who'd come to see the actress to say hi. And um, she was staring at me, and it wasn't like a friendly, appreciative stare. She was literally like, she was sat down, so she wasn't, you know, in this stance, but she sort of lowered her chin and was looking up at me and staring at me for about 10 minutes. 
And to the point where, you know, when you look at someone and you think, are they staring at me? I think they are staring at me. And then it got to the point where I couldn't even look at her. And then my colleague afterwards was like, that, that girl just couldn't stop staring at you. And I was thinking, what is this? And then I knew instantly there was something spiritual going on. And I'd felt really prompted to pray before I went for my colleague that I was actually going with. And so I prayed. And so there was something happening in the spiritual realm. I don't know what it was, but I know there was something going on in the spiritual realm. And there was a weightiness that God brought into the room because he was with me. And I've had it on the tube before. (laughs) I get crazy things happen on the tube. I think I might have said this one before. It happened a few years ago. And I was on the tube. I got on the tube. In, when we hit back in the day when we had two services and I was in between the two church services and this woman just sat opposite me and went, what do you want with me? And I was like, um, <laughs> nothing. She was like, yes, you do. What do you want with me? And I was like, I honestly, I'm, I'm really happy, just my own business, I don't want anything. And then for the whole journey, she just stared at me and stared me out. It was weird. But there was something going on in the spiritual realm. So being salty Christian means that you, you, you bring the presence of God with you and you change the chemistry around you. And also that you bring healing with you, not only with things like words of encouragement, even sometimes just sitting with someone, bringing the presence of God. You know, Saul got David to play music. There was something about the presence of David and the music that he was playing that was healing. There's something about our presence that's healing to those around us, whether we're silent or whether we speak truth to them or love or comfort. But also, Jesus has called us to do all he did and more. And what did he do when he was on the earth? He healed the sick. He raised the dead. And we are called to see miracles and to see healing miracles. And that is what being the salt is, is bringing healing into the world. Salt is purifying in John 15, 3, it says, You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. I think that's an amazing passage. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. We are clean because of the word Jesus has spoken to us. And as we speak his truth to people around us, as we live his truth and we live it out, we're cleaning the people around us spiritually. Isn't that incredible? There's something powerful in the word of God that cleanses people around you. And then finally, we bring out flavour. Those roast potatoes, think about them. We bring out the flavour, and we can bring out the, the flavour of everyone around us. We can call out the good in those around us. If you see brothers and sisters in the church, and they've got a gift, encourage them in it. Sometimes people don't even realise they've got gifts. They're just, they're just doing what they think they know is the best thing to do but they don't even realise how much God has gifted them encourage people build each other up we're called to do that as a church it's so powerful when we do iron sharpens iron but also prophetically we can ask God for words of knowledge and we can bring out the good of people anywhere you go whether you're at work whether you're travelling on the bus or the tube you can bring out the good in the people around you so currently I'm on a course um, learning how to step out in the supernatural. Sounds a bit crazy. <laughs> it is a bit crazy. Um, and we go out on the streets and we pray for people. And um, we were out a few weeks ago and there was a family. And often if you said to someone, do you want a prophetic word? They would be like, what? I have no idea what you're talking about. They don't even know what a prophetic word is. But if, you, if, peop- if people h- want to hear from God, they're suddenly... 
they suddenly open. I think because of all the books and the films that are around in our culture at this time, people are open to some spiritual kind of sense that there is a spiritual world out there. So they are open to it. And this one particular family came to us and they said, we want to hear from God. They weren't Christians. And this one, the mother, immediately as I saw her, I just saw the word generous over her. God just revealed to me she is a generous woman. And so I said to her, you are a very generous woman and you give, and I just got all this knowledge from God. He just downloaded it. And, just, and I, so I said to her, you, you give out a lot. You, you're really generous with people and um, sometimes you feel like you give so much and you don't get anything in return and you feel like you burn out. But God has seen you and he's seen how generous he, that you are and he's going to bless you and provide all you need. And she was like, how did you know? Like, wow. I don't know if her words were how did you know, but I could see it on her face. How did you know? And she was like, yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, I just was so touched because God uses us to call out the good in people he can give you a prophetic word wherever you go whatever colleagues you're with whether you're at school with the other mums you can just ask God to give you knowledge about someone and then they will know that woman then knew God knew her he knew he knew all about her and that he loved her and so she went away changed and the kingdom was bought because I was obedient and listened and I'm not always obedient and I don't always listen and it's very easy to harden our hearts and it's scary sometimes, and we do do that as well. But when we're salty Christians, we listen to God, and then we can bring out the flavor in those around us. And also we can bring the beauty of God, like the beauty of that amazing Dead Sea. The salt made it beautiful. We can be salt and light in this world and bring beauty. We have been made in his image. We have been gifts gifted with spiritual gifts and his power and like Steph was preaching last week when we move together it's phenomenal we're like a tapestry of beauty we go and we, and we meet people's needs we heal the sick we help people get out of debt we pray for people and, and we love the broken isn't that amazing that we can do that as a church and we can move together each with our own gifts each with our own part to play and, and together we are the bride, and we're stunning. Jesus is making us beautiful, and his spirit and his word is moving in and through us, bringing salt and light into the world. And you might think, wow, this sounds wonderful. I want some of that salt. <laughs> you might not be a Christian, and you might just come as a visitor today, and you might be thinking, I'd quite like to do that. I'd quite like to bring healing to people. I'd quite like to be able to meet people's needs and pray for people and hear words from God. You can absolutely have access to that because of what Jesus has done on the cross. He came to earth to ensure that we would all have the opportunity to know the Father. And what he's done on the cross is absolutely outstanding. See, salt has value. But Jesus was the beginning and the end of all value. He had infinite value. And he became nothing. He was broken and he was bruised so that we might gain value and be made right before God. Because we couldn't come into this relationship with the Father as we were. We couldn't come with our sin and our shame because he is so holy 
but Jesus, by his sacrifice, laid down his life. He was broken and bruised for our sins. And just as Daniel Porter was singing earlier, our shame has been taken away. Our sin, as far as east is from west, has been taken away from us. Let's just think about that. Our sin and our shame has been so removed from us that our slate has been completely wiped cleaned. So anyone who chooses to trust in Jesus can have that freedom from their sin. Anyone. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've been through, no matter what's been done to you, anyone can have access to the love of God and become a child of God. It's outstanding. May we never forget what he's done with us. For us. We are new creations and it's at no cost to us. It's free gift. A gift of life that we can take. Except if you do choose to follow Jesus, it will cost you everything. Not money, not salt. Because it wasn't a cheap gift he gave us. He gave his life And if we choose to follow him, we have to choose to die to ourselves, die to our pride. And it's a daily battle. We have to wake up every day and say, not not my will, God, but yours be done. And it is so hard. It's so hard every day to just push down our ego that wants to be right, wants to do what we want to do, and say, Lord, let your will be done. It's simple, but it's not always easy. You know, the road is narrow, but he's, t- he's told us that we can follow him by his grace, and he doesn't leave us on our own. He puts his power inside of us and his Holy Spirit to help us. We're not on our own in this, and we've got each other to sharpen each other. But once we've seen what he's done, once we've seen how good he is, how wonderful he is, what, how powerful and magnificent his sacrifice is for us. How can we then lose our saltiness? How can we walk away from that? How can we become apathetic and think, oh, well, I'll just carry on life as, you know, as I was going? In light of what he's done for us, how can we do that? And yet we do. There's this, this battle every day. And I think this passage is saying, yes, we can lose our saltiness. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. I think, church, we can lose our saltiness. And I think Jesus is warning us, and he's, he's giving us a sober message. We can lose our saltiness. Because just like the rocks that I showed you at the beginning in the pools of water, when, when they get exposed to the elements of the wind and the rain, they get mixed up with the vegetation. We can get mixed up with the world and its ideas. And we can become diluted and lose our purity and lose that impact and being able to bring the kingdom. And it starts really small. It's really subtle. The devil has an amazing way of making the world look really, really attractive. And, and so we, it starts small. You just have an idea and you think, oh... And then you stop reading the Bible every day. You stop praying every day. And then you start thinking, I want to hang out with these guys over here because these guys are really fun. And um, they agree with me on everything that I think. And um, yeah, I'm just going to stop hanging out with people at church because it hurts sometimes. It's, it's, it's hard. And it's just easier and more fun to hang out with these guys. And just step by step, we just start walking away from 
Jesus, essentially. And what do we end up tasting like? The world. We start tasting just like the world. So Jesus could have, he could have chosen the easy option. He could have been like, but I know I'm going to give my life, I'm going to give everything for these people that I love, but I know they're just going to turn away from me again and again. So what, why should I? At the cross, he said, not my will be done, but yours. He knew that the love that he had for us and that the Father had for us was so much greater than that, that he laid down his life so that we would know the Father. He paid the price so that we would know freedom for the sake of love. He sacrificed everything, everything, so that we would know the love of the Father. So let's take ourselves back to the mountainside with these disciples. Let's think about the heaviness and the weightiness of of this message and look at what's ahead. Do we want to be people that bring healing to those around us? Do we want to be able to change nations because of the power of God in us? Do we want to be able to spread the gospel with his power? Do we want to be able to cleanse and purify the people around us? Do we want to be able to slow down the, the decay of this world? Do we want to make other people look beautiful through letting him make them look beautiful through his truth? Do we want to co-labor with Jesus and do what, get involved in what he's doing? Or do we want to do our own thing? Because I think we really need to weigh up how we're going to respond to this, this truth. Because if, if the world is more exciting than the gospel, we're going to, if we think that the world is more exciting than the gospel, we're going to get excited about the, the world. But if we, we come back to the truth and look at the gospel and look how exciting, and it, that it's the most exciting, most powerful adventure we could ever go on, far more than that four by four thing. It's like 10 million times more. It's so incredible to be a co-worker with Christ and, and to partake in, in bringing his kingdom. It's such a privilege and a joy. And you know, life, life on earth isn't easy. When you become a Christian, it doesn't make your life easy. It's hard. And um, things happen that make, you know, that make life hard. And the disciples didn't get it easy. Most of them were killed for what they believed in and what they shared. But Jesus isn't looking for people that are just nice and that go to church on a Sunday. He's looking for prayer warriors. He's looking for people that count the cost, that say, yes, you've given everything for me. I'm going to give everything for you. He's looking for his bride. He's looking for people that are salt and light, people that have grit and courage, because his bride is beautiful. And she lets him change her so that she becomes more like him. She submits. We submit. So when the Dead Sea draws back its water and it creates that beautiful pattern, exposes the land and and, and when our life is stripped away, when you take away our jobs, you take away our family, you take away our friends, what's left? What's left in our hearts? Has the presence of the sun, 
of God burned away all our impurities. It's there salt left. Because Jesus says to us now, we are the salt of the world. Our identity has changed. We are children of God. We are hidden in him. We are valuable and precious to him. And we are reflecting his glory. We are carriers of his light wherever we go. Carriers of his beauty wherever we go. And he can use us. If we yield to him, he can use us to bring his kingdom in the most incredible ways. If we trust him. When we look at the gospel and we look at the, cru- the crucifixion and what Jesus did. There's that song. Um, how does it go? Uh, what can I say? What can I do? But offer my heart, O oh Lord, completely to you. can we do but offer everything to Jesus when he's given so much to us how can we not call out the destiny in those around us who don't know him yet and let them taste who he is how can we not call out and encourage the gifts in each other and sharpen each other daily do we really want his power to work through us do we want to see healing do we want to see captives set free we need to hold fast to him and we need to listen to him Because his spirit is alive in us. And he speaks to us daily and we can choose whether we listen to him or not. But we have tasted freedom. We have tasted that he is good and that he loves us. And we want other people to taste that life and know life to the full. He died so that we might have life and have life to the full. And we want to take that life. Let's not just settle for the mediocre. Let's not just settle and just be like the world. Because without Jesus, without his truth and his life and his spirit in us, we will sink. I would have sunk in that water if it wasn't the salt. Without the salt of Jesus and the salt of the word and, and his spirit in us, we will sink. We will not get through life without him. Galatians 2.20, it says, to, yeah, 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Just like Andy was singing up earlier, lift your eyes towards the prize. Mobilize. And let's follow our king into war. There are battles ahead, but the, the king of kings is with us and he has already won the war. But we will face battles. But we will need him. We will need his spirit and his truth to be on our lips to be able to survive. And we may be vulnerable, but he is indestructible and he is with us by his Holy Spirit. And so I feel like we can respond today. If, you, if you're not a Christian today and you think, I want to know Jesus, I want to know his love, I want to be able to share in these gifts and no freedom from my sin, and no freedom from shame, and have all my sin and shame wiped away from me. I want to be a new creation. You can absolutely have that today. Jesus has paid the price for your sin, and you can have freedom today.
Andy, if you could come and start playing. I think it would be good to respond.